Welcome to our Victory Outreach Boston podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. Somebody say, don't be afraid. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. This was Joshua and Caleb speaking to the children of Israel. They say, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. See, they were on the boundaries of entering into the promised land. He said, they're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Let's pray this morning. Bow your head with me, church. Father, we come before you this morning. And God, I pray that you would just speak to all of our hearts this morning, God. That you would minister to us. That we would be challenged, encouraged, uh, provoked even, God. I pray that... Lord, every distraction would be minimized, and Lord, you just give us an attentive ear to hear what you're speaking to us today. We thank you, and we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that everybody says, amen, and amen. Well, this morning, church, I want to speak on faith builders and faith killers. You know, I really uh, have been uh, encouraged the past few weeks to see that us as a church, we're all being challenged in the area of our faith. Somebody say faith. faith. And, you know, I believe that God, he, he's really taking us into a new season where he wants to develop us as his people in the area of faith. And, you know, I really believe this also, that if we believe God in faith, then we can receive anything in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? Jesus said it himself. He said, if you just have faith, nothing would be impossible for you. He says to his disciples, if you just have faith, like Pastor Danny shared a few, a few weeks ago, if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be done. He says, nothing would be impossible for you. And, you know, we're believing for God for some big things within our church. We're believing that God's going to take us into a new building. Come on, somebody get excited this morning. I don't know about you, but I don't like being on a time frame here in the church. We have to rush out, at, be out at 12 o'clock. I believe that God has a home for Victor Arch Boston, oh, a place that we can truly call home. Amen, but let me, let me not get sidetracked here today. You know, church, I really believe that we're, if we're able to catch uh, the principle, this, uh, this area of faith, we're really able to catch how important that is, then the sky is the limit truly for us as God's people and the sky is the limit for us as a church. You know, when it comes to faith, it's been said that faith consists in believing when it is, in, when it is beyond the power of reason to believe. Faith consists in believing when it is beyond the power of reason to believe. Basically, saying that when our human reasoning and our human logic and, and our reasoning comes to an end, that's where faith begins. And, you know, faith we truly see is so important, especially uh, the lesson, uh, through the lesson that we can learn here in the book of Numbers in chapter 13 and 14. We see that the children of Israel, the Israelites, they were, they had been miraculously led out of Egypt, right? How many know the story a little bit about the, the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt? Basically, they were living as slaves. They were living in bondage in Egypt under the Pharaoh there. And God raised up a man, Moses, to deliver the children of Israel out of slavery, out of bondage, out, out of Egypt, and to take them into the promised land. 
Many may be familiar with, the, with this imagery or even this, uh, this story about the, the Red Sea opening up. The Red Sea splitting for the children of God. The Red Sea opened up miraculously and the children of Israel walked through on their way to the promised land. They were on their way out of Egypt and headed into the promised land. And you know, it's like us that many of us, maybe before we came to know God, in some way, shape, or form, we were lost. We were lost in, in, in some type of bondage possibly, some type of uh, uh, vice in our lives. Or whatever the situation was for you, it, it varies from individual to individual. But we were all lost in Egypt. How many can say amen? But see, God in his rich, in his, in his, in his rich mercy and grace and his love for us as his people, he sent Jesus to deliver us from the power of sin. Much like Moses, he, he was sent by God to deliver the children of Israel out of this uh, wicked land, this bondage and slavery in Egypt. And God was taking the people to a promised land. Somebody say promised land. And so we understand that the Israelites, they had been given a promise. God had told them that the land of Canaan, this land of Canaan, that was the promised land. God had told them that this will be their land. This was going to be their territory. And it was a land of abundance. It was a land, the Bible says, of milk and honey. It was a, basically an abundant, prosperous land. And God was trying to take his people there. But we see here in, uh, in Numbers chapter 13 that there was 12 leaders, 12 spies that were sent from, uh, from the, the, children, the, the children of Israel. They were sent from their camp into the land of Canaan to bring back a report of what they would encounter in the land. God said, send out 12 leaders, 12 spies into this land and bring back a report about what's taking place there in that land. And we, we know from the story that these 12 men in the promised land, they encountered, they encountered some giants. They encountered some giants in the way of them possessing the land that God would have for them. Somebody say giants. Don't you just hate when you'd run into a giant? I'm not talking about someone that's maybe eight feet tall or nine feet tall, some type of giant in that way. But maybe you're having a great day, right? You're, 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 you're feeling good. Man, I'm walking in the promises of God. I'm walking in the, the faithfulness of God today. And all of a sudden, uh, man, something just horrible happens. Right, you, you wake up, the sun is shining, the, the birds are chirping, man, there's, uh, everything is going good in, in your day, and then, boom, you get that phone call. Maybe it's a, a phone call from a, a, a family member, maybe it's something going on at work, maybe you w wake up and your car got towed, hello, maybe your car broke down, <laughs> but maybe something springs up and it just throws off your whole day. This is kind of what the, the, the children of Israel, the spies, had encountered when they were entering into the promised land. They were seeing that this land would be an abundant land full of uh, abundance and prosperity. Great things would be in the land, but they encountered giants. And I want to go through the story briefly. But God tells Moses to send out 12 men, 12 leaders into this land, the land of Canaan, to bring back a report about what they saw. And in Numbers chapter 13, verse 2, could follow along with me. The Bible says this, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. 
And then these men were given instructions in Numbers 13, 17 to 19. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. He says this, go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? And this was the report that these men brought back. Pay attention to the, these couple verses closely. Verses 27 to 28. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. See how the tone shifts in the sentence there. He's explain, this man is explaining, this is from their report, that this was a bountiful land, a, a land of, uh, of, of abundance, flowing with milk and honey. Here's the fruit it produces. The Bible actually says that they brought back fruit from this land, and it was so big that they had to carry a cl cluster of grapes on a pole between two men. This fruit was so large. that The land there, you could just imagine, it was, it was, uh, it was abundant, it was prosperous. But the, the tone shifts in this sentence. He says, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And you can see here in this, just in this one scripture, church, how the, 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 the tone shifts in the report. You see that in the report, these men, they're, they're talking themselves out of the promises of God. See, one thing we learn right here in this scripture, don't ever talk yourself out of God's promises. We, as God's people, we can never talk ourselves out of a promise from God. You see, when God, he, when he says something, when his word declares something to us, that's something that we can take to the bank. When God says something to us, that's something that we can, we can anchor uh, within our souls, within our spirits, because there's power there, right? There's authority there, and we can rest assured in the promises of God. Come on, somebody give God some praise for that this morning. Man, we can rest assured in God's promises. And we see that in these two men, Joshua and Caleb, two men that were different from these other men who gave this report. Again, 12 spies sent out. 10, they bring a negative report, but we see in two men, Joshua and Caleb, these men, they were assured and confident of God's promise. This is what they said. They said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. And I want to ask them to put that slide on the screen if we can. The, the, the mentality of, of, of these 12 spies varied between these Ten men who brought, a, you could say, a negative report. And two, Joshua and Caleb, who saw God's promises. They didn't see problems, but they saw God's promises. We could see here, these ten men, they said, no, we can't do it. We can't enter. Uh, there, there's giants there. But the two, Joshua and Caleb, they said, go. They said, we, we believe God at his word. We're believing God for his promises. Let us go up and take the land. We can do it. We can conquer it. We can receive the promise. These ten said no. The two said go. Ten said we can't. But two of them said God can. This is a different mentality between these, these, these 12 men. Ten were full of fear and two were full of faith. 
10 saw uh, nothing but giants. They saw nothing but problems. They saw nothing but the difficulty that lay ahead. But the two, they were full of faith. Believing in God for his promises that they would come to pass. And then also these 10, we'll see later in the story, these 10 men, they were disqualified while the two received the promise. And actually, it wasn't just 10 that were disqualified because they disqual- they, their negative report we'd see spread throughout all the rest of the Israelite camp. And the Bible says that that whole generation, 20 year, men 20 years and, and older, all perished in the wilderness. But you see, church, when we, ca- when, counter, when we encounter opposition, setbacks, and adversity in our lives as Christians, we are able to adopt a few uh, qualities to ensure that our faith is steadfast. And that's why I want to share with you this morning three faith builders and also three faith killers. Using this story of the the 12 spies. And the first faith builder I want to share with you this morning is a good attitude. Somebody say attitude. See, a good attitude is a faith builder, but a poor attitude is a faith killer. An attitude is all about how we feel. It's, it's how we feel uh, about a certain situation. It's how we feel about maybe a, a person. Uh, whatever the situation is in our lives, attitude is how we feel. And see, the, the, these 10 spies, the 10 spies that were in the majority, that brought back the majority report, they said in, in this portion, same portion of scripture, they said, we felt like grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. They said, we felt like Little grasshoppers. See, the reason why they had this attitude is because they were not full of the promises of God. They weren't promised people. They weren't full of the promise. They didn't have the promises of God internalized inside of their spirits. And so you could see in their report that, man, they, they, they were just full of flesh. They were thinking in the, in, the, in the natural. They were thinking just according to their, their, their logical minds and, and what they, what, with what they saw in their natural eyes. Man, we can't do it. We can't take the land. Yes, it's an abundant land, but there's giants there. Yes, it's a prosperous land that God said he would give us, but we can't, we can't overtake it. We can't overcome. See, these ten men, they were filled with doubt fear and insecurity because of their bad attitude and their bad attitude was a faith killer their bad attitude was a faith killer not only for them but also for the, for the many that they spread their negativity to and see for us as a, as a church you know when it comes to our christian walks with god it's so important church that we get this area right within our attitude you know a good attitude it it determines our approach to life a good attitude it determines or a good or bad attitude, it determines our relationships with people. A good attitude, or an attitude in general, is often the difference between success and failure. And an attitude, a good attitude, can turn problems into blessings. And I want you to ask yourself this morning, we ask ourselves, I asked myself as I was preparing this message, what is my attitude when trials come my way? What is my attitude when difficult times, when 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 difficulties and, and trials and tribulations come my way, how do I respond? Am I of a good spirit, a good attitude, or am I of a bad attitude? 
See, we're able, church, to have a bad attitude in negative circumstances when we understand that God is in control. When we understand, man, that God, the God of the universe, the God who created heavens and earth, the God that created you and I, that he's in control, we're able to have a good attitude within bad circumstances. Come on, can somebody give God some praise? If we know that a good attitude is often the difference. This is what the Bible says. Now we know that in all things God works them together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. The scripture says that we know that God works everything together. A different translation will say all things. Not just some things, but all things. God works everything together. God works all things together for our good, for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, and that doesn't mean that when something horrible happens that God will just automatically make that horrible thing good. I mean, it can happen. But the scripture doesn't say that just some people, I think we sometimes have a misinterpretation of this, this actually very familiar scripture. It doesn't say that good things, or, or excuse me, that bad things are always good, that they turn good, but God can work out a bad thing for our good. There's a difference. It's like if someone were to, to uh, experience some sort of horrible tragedy in life. I know there was a, there's an organization, this wasn't even in my notes, but I, uh, I think it's M-A-D-D, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, right? I think that, was found, that organization was founded by a mother who had experienced loss in her own life because of uh, what a drunk driver did to her family member. I believe it was her son. But so you can see how that situation, that bad situation, it was, it's bad. It's a bad situation. It's a horrible situation. But God can work things together for the good. And you can see that there was an organization that was created, and it's probably impacted many lives. It's a positive thing. You could come up, we could come up with so many stories how there are bad circumstances that could be worked out for the good. Can somebody say amen? amen. So we understand that a good attitude is a, is a faith builder. Also, secondly, a right perspective is a faith builder. And on the contrary, a negative or a wrong perspective can be a faith killer in our lives. You know, the perspective of the two said, they said, let's take it. Let's take the land. We're well able to overcome it. Versus the ten, they had this perspective that, no, we, we can't go up against them. The two said, we can. The ten said, we can't. And, you know, it's interesting how two people or even two groups of people could see the exact same situation have the same experience, they have the same God, the same promises, but see things completely differently. And that's the power of perspective. A positive perspective, man, that's a faith builder in our lives. But that's, that small illustration is showing us the difference of perspective. We could see the same exact thing, everybody here in this, in this sanctuary this morning, and one person could say this glass is half empty, and another person could say that this glass is half full. It's just a difference of perspective. And you know, when it comes to our personal lives, and tri when trials come, church, when situations come, when, when, when things are thrown our way, our prayer should be, God, allow me to see what you see. 
God, give me eyes to see what you're seeing. See, because the Bible says in Isaiah 55 that just as high as the heavens are above the earth, God's ways are above our ways. It says that the Bible says that his thoughts are above our thoughts. See, God sees differently. And see, sometimes we as, as human beings, and in, in, in the natural sense, we see certain situations in, with a certain perspective. We see things in a certain light. But it's important that we make sure that we're not just seeing things in the natural sense, but we're seeing things in a supernatural sense. We're not just seeing things how, how, how our eyes see them or how our perspective sees things, right? The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. So it's important that we see, try to see what God sees. In Philippians 2.5, Paul says this to the Philippian church. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. There it is. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. I mean, no, it's important that we capture the mind of Christ. To be able to capture the mind of God. That's not an easy thing. That's not, that, that is not an easy thing. But you know how we do that, church? That's, that, that, that involves us on a daily basis tapping into the presence of God. Getting into the word of God. Saying, God, what does your word say about this situation? Or just sometimes we, don't, we, we may not even go to the Bible. You know, we might have a certain problem going on in our lives and we don't know if it's, we're going to find an answer in the Bible. I promise you, open up your Bible. Open up God's word and you're going to find an answer for your situation. You're going to find a, an answer because the Bible says that his word is alive and it's active. His word is alive and active. And we gain the mind of Christ when we digest God's word on a daily basis. We're able to build our faith. We're able to have these faith builders in our lives when we adopt a kingdom perspective, not just a natural worldly perspective. In Philippians 4.8, Paul says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We're talking about perspective. And see, where these ten spies went wrong is that they didn't have God in their, in their perspective at all. When you read their report, you go back and look at their report, what the Bible says in their report. They did not mention God, not one time. They didn't have God in their perspective, and they simply saw things from a logical point of view. But how many know that for us, if we're going to be the people that God has called us to be, if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, making an impact in, 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 in lives around the city, also God doing a work in us first, amen, God doing a work in us, if we're going to be the people that God has called us to be, we ought to have a kingdom perspective. Can somebody say amen? And then if, if we're going to do what God has called us to do as a church, we also need a kingdom perspective. When trials come our way, man, we know, man, God is in control. God, God's got this. The battle is not ours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Man, we are more than conquerors. We are more than overcomers through what Jesus has done. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise this morning? So we see that not only good attitude and a right perspective are faith builders, but also, the la lastly, a pure heart is, is also a faith builder. 
good attitude, a right perspective, and a pure heart. These are faith builders in our lives. And on the contrary, a polluted heart is a faith killer. Pure heart versus polluted heart. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 19, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. See, and eventually, church, our attitudes and our perspectives, everything that happens in our mind, it begins to take root in our heart. These mentalities, these perspectives, these attitudes that we have, they can eventually infect our heart or affect our heart in a positive or negative way. And what is the heart? It's the center of, emo- of our emotions as, as human beings. It's our thoughts, our will. And, you know, that's why it's so important. It's so vital that for us as believers, we have our hearts guarded. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the issues of life. Above all else. You see this translation on the screen. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You know, it's so important that we have our hearts guarded on a daily basis. See, because if our hearts are polluted, if hearts are not uh, pure, but rather they're polluted by the things of this world... We're going to find ourselves in a dangerous place because a polluted heart is a faith killer. You know, but, but you see, church, when we see uh, Joshua and Caleb in this portion of Scripture, the two spies with the positive report, we see that man, they, were get, they were on track. They were on track to, with, with where God wanted to take the people. They were sensitive to God's voice. They, they heard the promise, and they didn't get all caught up in all the negativity. Can somebody say amen? They didn't get all lost in the sauce, right? I believe that was the formal way to say it. They didn't get caught up in the mix of, of what, the, what the naysayers were, were saying and what the naysayers were believing. They chose to believe God for his promises. They chose to stand for, for what they believed and they stood upon the promises of God in their lives. See, but we see that these 10 spies, man, they just saw the problems because their hearts had already been polluted. The negativity in their perspective, the negativity in their attitude caused them to just see problems, difficulty. Their attitude was off. Their perspective was off, and it eventually infected their heart. And you see, that's what the world will try to do to us when it comes to us believing God for his promises within our lives. You know, if we open up God's word, crack open God's word, we're going to find hundreds and hundreds of promises, personal promises that we as, as a people can take heart in. Promises that we can, can receive for our lives, but it takes faith. It takes faith believing that what God says will come to pass. Believing that what God has declared, believing that what God has decreed will come to pass in Jesus' name. If God promised you that he will save that family member, save your son, save your daughter, save your father, save your mother, then you best believe it's going to come to pass. 
when, G, when, the, when, they, when Paul and Silas were in prison, they told that guard, don't harm yourself. Eventually, that man's whole family was saved. That's a promise that we can receive for ourselves. And when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's a promise that we can receive in our lives. Man, if I just place God first, if I seek his kingdom first, if I seek his righteousness first, everything else will be added to me. Come on, somebody. I like Psalms 37, 4. That's one of my personal promises. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, God knows our desires. God knows what's, what's, what's in our hearts. He knows what our desires are, and he wants to bless us as his people. But sometimes it's on his time frame and not ours. Ooh, and that hurts. Sometimes that can sting a little bit. We want the promise now. We want the blessing now. But sometimes God says, wait. God says, you're not ready for it yet. It was like Abraham and Sarah, when they wanted that promised child, they, wanted, they, they were uh, old in age, almost 100 years old. And they were believing for a promised child in order to, to carry on uh, the, the, the family bloodline. And the Lord had told Abraham that the, all the nations throughout the world will be blessed through his seed. And he still didn't have a child. They, what did they do? They manufactured the blessing. They manufactured the child. Uh, Abraham had relations with a, a slave woman named Hagar, and they had Ishmael. And Ishmael, that you could read, go on to read the story, but he, came, he went on to be a, a rebel. And they, they, basically, they did not, Abraham and Sarah, they didn't trust God for his, his timing. They didn't trust God for his promises of what he said would come to pass. And see, uh, church, what, what, what I'm getting across to you this morning is, man, there's many different things in our lives, our attitude, our perspective, our heart, that the Lord, uh, or that, that the Lord wants to build up. The Lord wants us to have his perspective, an attitude that's pleasing to him, a, a heart that is, that is in alignment with him in order to receive the promises that he has for our lives. See, but the world would want to corrupt our attitude. The world will want to corrupt our, our, our perspective and see everything in a negative light. The world will want to pollute our heart. But it's important that you and I learn from men like this in the Bible. These ten men who, who, who saw things completely in the natural. And you saw how they were completely disqualified from the, from, from the promise. We could turn, as I come in for a, a closing here, Numbers Chapter 14, verses, verse 2 to 4. First, let's look at how all their negativity and their faithlessness and their fear spread to all the people around them. Numbers 14, 2 to 4. The Bible says their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complain. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? I said, wouldn't it be better just to go back and be slaves again? Then they plotted amongst themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Also, look at Numbers 14, verses 29 and 30. Or just verse 30 is fine. 
The Lord spoke to these men. He said, you will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. See, the negativity, the fear, the faithlessness of these ten spies is spread into the Israelite camp. And disqualified all people, ages 20 and above, in that generation. But God spared Joshua and Caleb and all the young men to go forward and to receive the promises that he had for them. See, because it was a lack of belief. It was a lack of belief in the promises that God had declared that caused this generation to perish in the wilderness. It caused, that that lack of belief caused them not to receive what God had for them. See, because they had all those, those faith killers, the wrong perspective, the bad attitude, the polluted heart, and their faith was shipwrecked. They were forbidden from entering into the land. You can go ahead, right, Linton. These men were forbidden from entering into the promised land. And, you know, I believe that for us as Victor Arch Boston, that we want to see every single person here. We want to see every, each and every single one of us receive the promises that God has for us. We want to see each other blessed. We want to see each other prosper in the things of God. We want to see you operating in your personal calling. We want to see you operating to your fullest potential. We want to see you receive what God has for you. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray this message builds your faith, encourages, and strengthens you in your walk with the Lord. If you would like to partner with us, sow a seed today. Head on over to our website at voboston.org and hit the giving link located at the top of the page. God bless you.